I was at my local bar recently, spewing a lot of bullshit as usual, when I overheard a colleague exclaim, I don't give a fuck, I'm Irish. At the time, I was in a state of mind where I overanalyze everything. So that phrase went into a notepad, then into a list of aphorisms. After that, it sat in my bag for a month before being pulled out and entered into Google Docs. Then, a story built around it, made it through editing to production, and finally, here it is, ringing in your ears. I don't give a fuck, I'm Irish. The travails of our immigrants from Ireland may be well known, but let's recap some of them anyway. Between 1820 and 1860, the Irish made up a third of all new citizens in the United States. By the 40s, they comprised half of immigrants. They left a rural lifestyle in a country largely lacking industry and found themselves unprepared for urban centers in the United States. Not the poorest people in Ireland, the worst weren't able to travel, but by contemporary standards, they were destitute. They often had nothing beyond fare for passage, and therefore settled in any port they happened to find themselves. They also rutted like crazy, so in no time New York had more Irish than Dublin. Impoverished immigrants crowded into subdivided homes that were intended for single families, living in tiny cramped spaces. In some cases, cellars and make-do spaces and alleys became home. A lack of adequate sewage and running water in these places made health care next to impossible. Disease of all kinds, cholera, typhus, tuberculosis, and mental illness, resulted from these miserable living conditions. On top of this, the Irish faced intense hostility from other ethnic groups and were regularly accused of spreading disease and crime. The Irish were changed by America, but they also changed this nation. They and their descendants went on to make incalculable contributions to our political sphere, as well as the local bars and various waste management enterprises. That's the official line, anyway. It seems to me that recently the Irish have largely been assimilated into being simply white people. That being the case, why don't we sum up their contribution to this great country in a single expression. St. Patrick's Day. The first recorded recognition of St. Paddy's Day in the U.S. came in the 18th century, when the Charitable Irish Society met in secret to support immigrants in the greater Boston area. The first ever parade in New York took place in 1756. 252 years later, I found myself at a St. Paddy's in New York, and it was during this holy and venerable celebration that I first met Billy. Billy used to own St. Patrick's Day and notoriously organized drinks at P.J. Carney's before and after the parade. I walk into the bar with a friend of mine who is, let's say, ethnically ambiguous. Despite the fact that we are introduced as clients, Billy takes one look at my friend and launches into, Hey, you know what the difference between St. Paddy's and Martin Luther King Day is? On St. Paddy's, everyone wants to be Irish. My friend takes it in stride, calls Billy a stupid fucking potato head, and the rest of the night finds himself a fob, or friend of Billy, never without a drink in his hand. A couple of hours later, he explains to Billy, yes, he has dark skin, but his ancestors aren't from Africa. Instead, they're from Persia. Persian? What, are you a rug? Weren't the Persians wiped out 2,000 years ago? Shortly after Billy meets a New Zealander, exclaims, What, like in Lord of the Rings? You got hair on your little feet? 
Minutes later, he points out to a nearby Bolivian, she's from the only country that has never won a war. Someone nearby with the mildest southern accent is christened Pencil Tucky. A Japanese guy, Dojo. A Korean girl is Michin Yan. And a Russian, Suka. Every one of those people he insulted moved on with us to the next bar, charmed by his extracurricular excess and antisocial tendencies, an endless love for chaos and the dark side of human nature near the fringes of acceptable conduct. They say madness is rare in individuals, but the norm in groups. And indeed in no time, a sort of supernova of stupidity occurred, a critical mass of bad behavior, ending up with most of us projectile-vomiting deli sushi into the parking lot of a strip club while Bolivia laughed and flicked cigarettes at us. Yes, Wall Street executives tend to be assholes and speak without a filter. The reason they get to be is they work on Wall Street. Some of the most successful names in our business got there laughing their ass off and being brutally honest with everyone. What could be better than that? Billy may be the enemy of polite society, a menace to any stable business operation, a security risk, and potential serial killer. But he can sell. He's an idiot savant with whom God has serious, frequent, and intimate conversations. I just can't imagine what the big man is saying, or whether the message is getting garbled during transmission. Sexist, homophobic, insensitive to the gorgeous mosaic of an ethnically diverse workforce? You might be right. But what the U.S. financial system seeks is people who can succeed without getting bent out of shape and taking things personally. To paraphrase Anthony Bourdain, if you were easily offended by direct aspirations on your lineage, your circumstances of your birth, your appearance, the mention of your parents possibly commingling with livestock, then perhaps finance is just not for you. At least for me, the curses, insults, and taunts of my wildly profane crew were like poetry. Beautiful at times each tiny variation on a classic theme like some beat-era jazz riff over and over again, making it new and different. And your actual identity? It's actually no impediment on Wall Street. We all spend too much time together to care about sex, race, or national origin. After your skill, it's how sensitive you are to criticism and how well you give it right back that determines your place here. Of course, this sort of advice is by definition a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing in the past, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. So be careful. The Irish are part of a generation embedded in a culture where hard work and merit trump the fashionable nonsense of the diversity, equity, and inclusion crowd. You may not be in a similar position. Channeling this sort of stuff might bring even more self-righteous, virtue-signaling, authoritarian lunatics from human resources sweeping through your institution, with counselors, Kleenex, free masks, and participation trophies. On the other hand, some stereotypes are just apt. That's a reality. You and your friends are walking cliches yourself. Stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs>